the hosts of Supernatural Philosophy are not scientists. And no, they're not philosophers either. In fact, they don't even have their bachelor's degrees. So take everything said here with a grain of salt. Unless you're using that salt to keep demons from coming in through your toilet bowl. Leave that where it is. That's more important. I'm Alexandra Abraham. And I'm Julia Ercolano. And this is Supernatural Philosophy, the show where we get down to clown in Monster Town. Yeah. Sure. That's one way of describing it. Indeed. So uh, this is our first episode. Well, it's actually really more like our third episode because almost. we've tried this a few times. Uh, Julia, you want to give a little background on what we are doing here? Yeah, so Supernatural Philosophy is a podcast where we're going to talk about monsters and the supernatural. And the uh, the title comes from the idea of natural philosophers, um, which was a branch of study most prevalent, I want to say, probably around the Renaissance, um, in which just it was the study of the natural world. And so last semester, I was taking a class called Science and Nature in the Renaissance. And we were talking about this and just how, especially how at this time, people were discovering new parts of the world. Well, Europe was discovering new parts of the world to them. Obviously, these parts of the world had been discovered and settled in already. But so it was this idea of, um, yeah, the of precursor to modern natural sciences and i thought it would be pretty cool to apply that to the supernatural and ali and i often have weird discussions about the supernatural that we've always figured someone else would want to listen to because we're millennials yeah that's that's really all it is we're really fucking arrogant no one would actually want to listen to this. Can I uh, hit you with a good quote about the philosophy of nature? I would appreciate that greatly. Okay, so this comes from David C. Lindbergh's The Beginning of Western Science, University of Chicago Press, 2007, page 50. Okay, thank you for that Uh, that detailed citation. It was MLA format. Uh, (laughs) An acorn is potentially, but not actually, an oak tree. In becoming an oak tree, it becomes actually what it originally was only potentially. This change thus involves passage from potentially to actuality, not from not being to being, but from one kind of degree to another. I'm going to, the reason I use that quote is because I think it really perfectly sums up the fact that natural philosophy was basically just bullshit. Like it was wasn't it was it's like fucking uh what's his face saying that he like you know made up the law of gravity um like i'm sorry sir isaac newton but no because if i dropped something previous to you saying so it would still fall to the ground and i think everyone alive at the time understood that yeah that's not what he claimed he was just 
describing why. Hey, I'm going to establish the laws of my living room. This blanket is blue. No one else said it before me, so I guess oh I'm a God. genius. You want me to give you the breakdown of what what the deal was? He broke away from Aristotle's theory that things just fall because the like because the way that I know, the- I know. Okay. Aristotle thought like everything was down to fuck all the time, and like no, yeah, he did. He thought like it that wanted to be closer to talking. the ground. Oh, well, yeah, because the, there were four elements: earth, water, fire, air, and Earth is heaviest, water, no. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's talking about the six bodily fluids. We're way off track. Yeah. (laughs) Back to monsters, please. Yeah, anyway. Um... I don't even where the where the fuck did we go? I don't even know where this tangent started. I just wanted to share my acorn quote. Okay. But um, so yeah, we're gonna oh, talk said, about okay. what? No, go. Oh no, because you said it was all bullshit, and I do want to say like no, science like science in the Middle Ages and stuff like that. It, it wasn't bullshit just because they were wrong and knew less than us, and that is something that I firmly believe. Um, because if I were alive, then I would believe the shit they did too. So. It's not their fault. Um, well, I don't, has advanced. I don't like to think that because then I start to think, well, what if today's science is the same same deal? Like, we think we understand the world as it is, but it turns out we're really wrong. Yeah, I'm sure for some things we are. I don't like to confront that truth. Well, you know, that's a little, that's a little, a little arrogant, maybe. Yeah, we've already established that I'm very <laughs> arrogant. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we decided to, um, to apply these ideas of, of studying, of taking like a theoretical and kind of all encompassing look at, uh, the supernatural. And by that, I mean, we want to look at it through a lot of different, like, quote unquote, scientific lenses, because obviously we are not scientists. Like there is no expertise going in here. This is just two college students who think like real shit of themselves and want to talk about random shit basically and so like disclaimer we don't actually know any of this stuff like i'm gonna throw it out there that i do a lot of research on nationalgeographic.com right and And i want to throw it out there that that does not make one an expert no (laughs) but i'm saying when we're going to talk about werewolves i I'm damn sure to read all those Nat Geo articles about wolves so that I come in prepared. There are a lot of Nat Geo articles about wolves, man. You yeah, not that was, all of them. No, I haven't. That was a hyperbole. I apologize. Okay. It's all right. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I just, I do think it's important that we put this disclaimer that we're just two idiots um, being dumb. Yep. <laughs> and so basically we'll be talking about things like anatomy and biology and we're coming at this from an incredibly rudimentary understanding of these subjects like i'm a history and anthropology major ali's an english major we're not in any degree experts on these subjects i did have a science minor for two years Right, an environmental science minor at a arts and communications college. I took some really interesting You went into the park and looked at trees. That was only once a week. (laughs) It was. Tuesdays were lectures, Thursdays were fieldwork. 
field work. You on I Mondays. You, on Mondays, you go dig and you call that class time. You dig in the dirt for five hours. Yeah, I dig in the dirt at an archaeological site. I walk you around trees. a historically significant park and learn about the different types of trees and what makes them the types that they are. I know fucking a lot of shit about trees, Julia. I could tell you fucking most things about trees, probably. I'm going to go ahead and say probably not. Thanks. <laughs> if we ever get a tree monster, hey, listeners, please send us questions about monsters. Um, and we will maybe. And apparently specifically tree monsters. Yeah, I'm getting to that. We will maybe like talk about them on the show if they're good questions, and, and we feel like we've maybe got she material. Means probably because if you do send us questions, you will likely be one of the only people that you did. will make and our fucking lives if you send us questions. So appreciative. But if you happen to know of like a tree-related monster, bring that shit right my way. Yeah, she would bring really. It I mean, to me. Lord of the Rings, man. Lord of the Rings. The Ents. Yeah. Are you suggesting that they're monsters? Oh, of course not. We are far more monstrous than they. Okay, just making sure. All right, so hey, let's get to the questions for this first episode we've got. Yeah, the questions, by the way, we, we asked on Twitter for questions. No one answered. <laughs> all of my friends. So, Allie was resourceful. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell them what you did? I went into the Facebook group for another monster-themed podcast, and I asked for questions there. Yeah. Uh, so she, uh, she poached some, some fans of the Cryptid Keeper podcast. Which I am such a huge fan of, by the way. I fucking love Addison and Alex. They're two of my favorite content creators right now. Follow them both on Twitter, in addition to Facebook and iTunes, and y'all should too, if you do not already. I mean, if you're listening to this, and you're not You definitely probably that, do. Yeah, How true. did you get here? Where the fuck did you find <laughs> us? You are in some dark web territory, my yeah. friend. <laughs> get out. Get out now. All you can. Jesus. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, with that prelude, hit me with hit me with your question. Oh, I thought you were going first. You did you not just say, Can I ask you a question? No, I said can we get to the questions? Oh, okay. Do you want me to ask that one I had founded? Go for it. Do you remember what it was? Because I don't. No, I wasn't even sure what you were talking about. All right. Hey, I got one. Okay. Yahoo Answers. Great. Are ghosts real? And if so, can they put stuff in your butt while you sleep? Wow, you're going to start off like that. <laughs> Do you yeah. have a question? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Okay, so this first question comes um, from that Facebook group. It is from Mikhail Edelstein. Edelstein. Um, and the question is, the age-old dilemma. If a werewolf is on the moon, are they always in wolf form? What's the deal there? Okay, so I have an answer that immediately came to mind for this one. Okay. Uh, and that is that you got to play it by, you know, where the light is at. I'm not sure if there is any, you know, basis for this, but if you really think about it, the moon is technically always there and always full. But when we think of a full moon, we mean like the point at which the angle of the moon and the sun is such that, you know, the whole surface of the moon is reflecting the sun's light onto the earth. Yes. So that is what causes 
the werewolf transformation to happen. And now this is where we're getting into the territory where I don't know a lot. And you're about to figure that right out because so in space, I'm assuming only half of the moon is illuminated at one time. Yeah. Perhaps less if it is being currently eclipsed by the earth, which is what causes the, you know, Hey, everybody who got real jazzed about that solar eclipse there's always a solar eclipse happening on the moon, pretty much, except for one time a month. Okay. The sun is always being eclipsed there by the Earth. Well, well, no. Yes. Partially, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I didn't say full. Okay, I said I mean, all a partial the- eclipse really isn't fun. Like, it's nothing to get excited about. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, I had anyway. I had a different take on this, which was, um, which was that my impression of the effect of a full moon on a vampire has always, like, I'm I don't sorry, know. on a what? Oh, <laughs> on a werewolf. I thought that it had more to do with like so, and again. Similarly, we're going to get into an area here where I don't know much, so I'm going to be coming off a little, a little stupid, maybe. Um, but so the moon affects the tides and stuff like that. Like the moon has a gravitational effect on the Earth, um, and obviously the Earth has a gravitational effect on the moon, which is stronger. Um, which we know thanks to our good friend Isaac Newton, who invented gravity. Right. Yeah, the same way Columbus discovered america um it was always there though i will say are you gonna get into some real political columbus stuff right now no no i'm not gonna get into vespucci versus columbus right now i I personally truly do not care that much good i did read an entire book about it for class but i'm really not not that invested yeah Um, i was just gonna say that i think isaac newton's um contribution and false discovery a lot less problematic and uh detrimental than columbus's because you know yeah (laughs) anyway um so the moon has a gravitational effect on the earth affects tides and stuff like that i think and this may be totally wrong i i feel like there are higher tides when the moon is full you didn't look that up before I, I think this. I did, and I couldn't, like, okay, full moon effects tides. This is great podcasting. Oh, yeah. I love all this dead air. Oh, okay, hold up. Wait, no, maybe not. Once. <laughs> wow. Um, hold on, I'm trying to look at... So, yeah, here's the deal. This is very hard without using a... Uh, like of a visual reference but basically like when you have the full moon the sun and the and the moon are on opposite ends yes of of the earth right because yep. i established that in my answer yeah yeah so you have just fucking with you. <laughs> the gravitational pull of both so basically the moon pulls the water away from the earth mm-hmm. right yes um but like so does the sun and i think also like maybe i don't know like the sun pulls the earth also so basically like it it forms this like oval around the earth of the tides and 
Anyway, so the the point here is that a full moon affects the tides. But and in what way? I'm still not 100% following you. It's just the way that the moon and the sun are positioned, the gravity, the gravitational effect combined um with them being so like directly oppositional to one another. Okay. Has a different effect on the tides than when they are at different angles. Okay. So I kind of thought like maybe it's got something to something more along the lines to do with that. Like you know, even people just say like, "Oh man, the full moon makes me feel so weird," um, which I mean, I view more uh, as pseudo science. But that's what we're dealing with here. Pseudo <laughs> science. Yeah. So that was kind of like my pseudo. My... Just for the rec- I want to make that clear. I do too, and I don't know why I didn't just say it like I that. don't know why I repeated it the same way that you said it. That was so weird. I forgot how to pronounce it. Um, pseudoscience. There we go. Okay. Um. So yeah, I didn't think so much that it had to do with like the presence of the moon, but maybe it does, and maybe it's like like you said, the the reflection. Maybe it's so, like the the sunlight. You know that affects um werewolves yeah and the reflected sunlight i don't know i feel like in lore yeah it doesn't necessarily i mean if you look at the first werewolf story it is do you do you have it before you (laughs) i do do you want me to go get it what is it it's a greek myth i am a classics minor so i know this Okay, well, I mean, let's say, though, right now, there are werewolf stories from all over the world. No, but this is the earliest one. That's... The earliest one we have a record of. Okay, yeah. Because certainly different cultures that maybe did not have a similar um, written... Do you want me to look up the the year at which we first... like, no, no, I just want to like acknowledge that our historical records are incredibly Eurocentric. That's all I'm trying to get at. They are, yeah, no. And so, like, we should not necessarily accredit, you know, the discovery of something or the, the conception of something to the Greeks just because we have a written account from... Like, there might have been some Native American legends about... Yeah, or other indigenous um, groups, yeah. Yeah, sure. Totally. I mean, I... Most of the recorded, you know, history that we have for, you know, Indigenous American peoples is from, you know, the the common era. Um, yeah, yeah. And this myth is, you know, I'm going to assume, I can't find like a first recorded version of it, but most Greek myths went back into like... BC. Yeah, way BC. Yeah. So anyway, like Alan, or, you know, I'm looking at the Greek spelling and it looks like Lee... Kaoan. I'm gonna go ahead and say it's probably the first way that you said it, though. Lycan, Lycan. Well, like lycanthropy. Yeah. Well, it's L Y C A O N. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia says Lycan. Cool. Go with it. All right. So Lycan was this really bad dude who thought he was gonna pull one over on the gods. And he invited Zeus to dinner and, you know, fed him. There are different versions of the myth. Oh. In one of them, it was all the gods. Uh, and in yeah, others, yeah. it was just Zeus. I think I know where this is going. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard this myth. Um, 
you know, feeds him. Stop me if you've heard this one. Yeah, stop, stop me if you've heard this one, this ancient Greek myth. Um, anyway, here's Wonderwall. Uh, <laughs> anyway, here's the Iliad. Uh, but, so, that was a stupid joke. I'm really yeah. <laughs> sorry. You want to get into the oral tradition? No. So, basically, he served Zeus his son for dinner, and he was like, hey, Zeus, how's that pot roast? How you liking that pot roast? And Zeus was like, you know, it's pretty stellar, my man. Um, and Lycan was like, it's my fucking kid. <laughs> and Zeus is like, I'm sorry, what? And like, and Lycan got real, real close. And he was like, he was like, it's my fucking kid. And Zeus was like, what the fuck? Dude. I mean, honestly, like, that shouldn't bother Zeus that much. Zeus did a lot of shitty shit. Yeah. His, his dad ate his siblings. Well, that's why he was super sensitive about oh, it. Oh, it hit real close. Yeah. You don't just eat children in front of the gods. They've got damage. Yeah, you don't just eat a kid in front of someone whose siblings were eaten. Yeah, no. That's so rude. Yeah. So, anyway, long story short, Zeus turned this fool into a wolf. And it's said that his, you know, descendants all turn into a wolf, like, at the full moon or whatever. And, you know, the myth evolved over times. Like, we don't know if that's if the moon had anything to do with it at all. But yeah. we know that some versions of it did. Um, yeah, and, uh, and that also could have been, like, a conglomeration with um, myths from other parts of the world. Yeah. But anyway, we're getting real far away from <laughs> the question from at the hand. the question at hand, yeah. Um, I also... Yeah, so I guess my my answer to this question was, which was like, if a werewolf's on the moon, are they a were are they wolf all the time? I don't think so. I don't even know that they can be wolf on the moon, from my understanding. Um, well, why not? I don't know. It just well because because my interpretation is that it has more to do with with how the moon affects the earth. But I assume, but I guess then there would need to be some way. I don't know. So have you ever seen the show Being Human? I have not. Okay, it's a good show. It got a shitty American remake. Um, but apparently in that show, uh, there is a scientific approach to explaining why the the moon changes werewolves, and they do say it's similar to the way that the t- the moon oh, affects fuck the tide. Yeah, fuck oh, yeah. yeah, you've got support from BBC's Being Human, circa two thousand five. Congratulations. That's all I fucking need. That's the year that they put out the new Who. They were doing great. So yeah, in the in that theory, it's it's all about gravity and pressure. I think it might be about light. I think that there is a certain magical element to reflected moonlight which is how you get things like moon water. And I think that if a werewolf were to hide on the dark side of the moon, he would be fine. Regardless, if you are a werewolf astronaut, they haven't sent anyone to the moon in a real long time. So I wouldn't worry. Sure. Okay. Uh, Should I hit you with my question? Yeah, go for it, man. Okay. So this is a question I actually contrived from reading through many, many, many entries on the mythology and fol- folklore section of yeah, Yahoo you Answers. S- you spent a solid week of your life there, and I it's don't know that you so ever much left. Fun. I'm there right now. I won't yeah. lie to you. So this is a question that was repeated a couple times over in different contexts, but the basics of it were, uh, 
So if you have like a demon that you want to keep out of your house or some supernatural entity, whatever it be, the idea is that you can, you know, lock your doors and windows with salt. Um, And the reasoning for that is because, you know, looking back historically, salt was seen as a very purifying uh, material. You know, you could use it to block out these unholy spirits because it was something that they it's the same idea with like vampires can't cross a running water because running water is clean um oh, and, i don't know, know if i've ever heard that oh yeah google it it's real okay oh, yeah um so but basically a lot of people on yahoo answers were really concerned that if they sealed their doors and windows with salt if the demon was already inside their house they may have just trapped themselves. They absolutely, absolutely did. Yeah, that seemed to be the general consensus. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no way. Like, I don't see a logical uh, progression of thought that leads you to the conclusion of no. Like, if something's in your house and you lock it in your house, it's in your house. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. My question is, if you're only salting the doors and windows, what is stopping the demon from coming in through the pipes? Bro, literally nothing. You've Absolutely nothing. You got you've to- salted the windows, but did you salt your toilet? I, I bet you they fucking didn't. And I also, I really, what I really love about this mythos of the salt is that that demons can't just go through walls. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Well, I actually here's here's something though. What if um instead of like salting like, you know, like your door threshold and like your window, you know, like the the place where the window closes. <laughs> I don't know what that's called. The sill? Maybe. Um yes. If instead of salting that, you salt like a uh, enclosed rectangle around your house or whatever shape your house is, but an enclosed shape kind of a, an enclosed perimeter around your house. See, I feel like that would be more effective because I do think that like when you're doing just your doors and your windows, you've got like uh, you've got interrupted lines there. And I feel like like it's almost like um like the sea bear from SpongeBob. Right. No, I'm following. Continue, uh, yeah. please. Where you know you have to you have to draw a circle around yourself, and that circle is like a perimeter. Like logically, like the the circle isn't forming a physical barrier that is keeping the sea bear away, but anything within that circle is safe of the sea bear. So I feel like that like those rules should kind of apply. Like if you make a perimeter around your house, the inside of your house, then is safe or rather that perimeter cannot be crossed because if the demon is inside your house already you have now locked it in with you but as opposed to like just doing like points of entry um which i don't know like i feel like it creates like an interrupted barrier that there are places to slip through yeah i don't think that demons are you know felled by walls yeah well i mean i don't because I I feel like it depends on the demon. <laughs> sure. Yeah, like, are we talking like like a ghosty demon, like something that's kind of more incorporeal? And oh. Like... Okay, fair. So if you're if you're assuming that the demon chasing you has a physical form that it is bound yeah, to, like Goatman. 
Yeah, sure. If you're trying to keep Goatman out your house, don't waste your salt on the whole perimeter. Just hit those doors and windows. But I wonder... And the toilet. If, like, because if the sea bear circle is broken, then, the, like, the sea bear can get in. Well, yeah, but is the sea bear a demon? Oh, of course not. Also, I feel like the sea bear demon... This, I'm sorry, the sea bear circle, rather, specifically applies to sea bears and sea bears alone. Oh, it does. It certainly does not protect against a sea rhinoceros. I will say in uh, the CW's TV show Supernatural, which has been on longer than some adults today have been alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not quite true yet. They're but getting we're, pretty we're damn We're really close. getting there. <laughs> the weirdest thing is that the actors haven't really aged. Well, you know, they're white men in their 30s. There's only... But have they stated their lane? So much variance. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, on uh, on the uh, you know in the universe of that show, if the salt line is broken, the demon can pass through. But they still only do salt lines over doors and windows. So okay. if the salt line in the doorway is broken, the demon can pass through. But yeah. a lot of the time, those are incorporeal demons. So you know, if you're going by the rules, maybe they just of- haven't figured it out. Maybe. Oh, you know, you like, have you ever, um, when you were a kid, did you ever draw a circle of chalk around an anthill? No. Oh, okay. Well, the ants get real confused. They don't realize that they can just walk over the salt. Oh, I've done like, um, in class, I forgot what, what bug it was, but like you draw a line and the bug will follow the line. So, and I did not just say lion. I said line. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. That didn't add to my point at all. Um, um no so when i was a kid i used to draw like circles of chalk around ants in my driveway and they would like literally they would freak out they didn't singular ants or anthills both okay i put this this see i am very scientifically minded i ran this experiment multiple times um i did it on the sidewalk i did it on the driveway i did it in the street i you know i had a wide variety of test subjects but, you know, after a minute or so, the ant would figure out that they could just walk over it. But they would not instinctively just keep walking. They would yeah. stop and they would be like, what the fuck? So maybe yeah. that's like maybe demons see a wall and they're like, bro, what? Can I keep going? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess like here's the thing. Like it's been a while since I've tried to walk through a wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, like, it it's not something that, like, would occur to me. I'm just, Why don't you try it right now and let me know? Well, I'd have to get up. I, I just pushed on a wall and I can't get through. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, back <laughs> to the thing about if you trap a demon in with you, what do you do? The only... Oh, shit. I don't know, man. The only comparison that I can find that I've encountered in my own life... Oh, is that I have sometimes shut the door for the night, gotten into bed, and then realized there's a bug in my room. Okay. And the door is already shut. So in order to coax the bug out, I have to then, you know, get up, open the door. And I guess at that point, I am running the risk of letting more bugs in. But I think, I think the odds are in my favor that the bug is going to fly out more so than a horde of other bugs is going to fly in. Yeah. Now, if I opened my front door, that might not be the case. So really, you got to look at, 
are you, you know, closing your bedroom door to a single demon? Or are you closing your bedroom door to a horde of moths racing towards your flame? Like, are you just, are you on a lot of lists? Get and that, in that, that case, meme in here. if you are on a lot, of, it's not a meme, it's just a fact. If you, <laughs> okay, if you are on that list for that many demons, fuck the salt, bro. Take a moment. Take just a hot sec and look back at your life. Look at your choices. How did you get here? Why are you salting your doors and windows in the first place? Yeah. You know, it comes down to it that when, you know, at a certain point, it isn't everyone else. You know, it's you. If one demon's chasing after you, maybe you don't deserve it. Oh my god! Fifty demons are chasing after you. Like, are you saying that demons are like vigilantes and they're only coming after the bad? You want to look at the cultural like uh, norm of demons? Yeah, that's usually the case. Or they're being sent by some other entity whom you have wronged. But usually, I feel like like who you have wronged is the the bad person, quote unquote. I wouldn't say usually. Okay. If you sell your soul to the devil and a demon comes to collect, oh that's yeah, on no, you. Then, then yeah. We just read Doctor Faustus in one of my English classes. I don't know what that is. Well, it's a important piece of Western literature, uh, written by Christopher Marlowe. So basically, say, was it written by a white man. It was indeed. Uh, just a hairline before Shakespeare's time. Uh. Christopher Marlowe wrote this play about a doctor who wants to live for another 24 years. I really thought my professor... Yeah. Really thought my professor was going to explain the significance of that number. He didn't. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to live forever. I don't want to live for another quarter of a century. I want another 24 years. Well, see, back then, they didn't... Whoa! I just dropped my microphone. Back then, they didn't say... 24 they said four and 20 okay maybe i'm not sure how that affects this no maybe he was just going for that good good kush number like maybe dr (laughs) faustus was like how much longer do i want to live and he was like 69 seems like a lot how about 420 by which of course i mean 24 be honest like all that's going through my head right now is the devil went down to georgia by Charlie Daniels? I think. Wait, hold on. Is that the song that's going through my head right now? God, I hope so. Because if you're wrong and if you're... <laughs> no, it, yeah, it is. It, okay. That's that's the violin battle. Yep. It's a fiddle. The fiddle battle. I'm sorry. Real clear. Um, violin is a rich man's game. <laughs> um, no. So, yeah, basically, you know, going back to, like, when did Shakespeare write shit? 1400s? No. I think 1600s. 1600s? Uh, Yeah. I think Macbeth was 1603. 1564 to 1660. Yeah. Um, So. Oh, wait, no. Hold on. Oh, God. Oh, okay. It just says he was born. Okay, yeah. He just doesn't have a day of birth. So Marlowe was writing towards the end of the 16th century. And if you cool. think about the idea of selling your soul well, no, golden so back... Was, so was Sh- Willie Shakes. Yes, so was Willie Shakes. Christopher Marlowe and Willie Shakes were 
you know, contemporaries. Oh, okay. You said a hairline before. He was a hairline before. He started writing a little bit before Shakespeare did. Okay. I mean, I just, like, I'm thinking, like, historically, maybe that means, like, you know, a hairline could be, like, a century. That's fair. But no, they were, they were contemporaries. He was a little bit older, I guess. His work also super inspired Shakespeare. You know, I might be really, really wrong. So let me... Really quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just check that. Okay, yeah. He died in 1593. So they were right up in yeah. in there with each other. All right. Just just making sure. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, though. B- Why before, are we talking about this? Because I'm getting into demons. Before right. that, demons were only portrayed as, you know, workers of the devil. And even there, you know, Mephistopheles is the devil's henchman, basically. But demons were only ever sent after people to tempt them away from God, pretty much, if you look at medieval literature and mythos. Yeah, because, I mean, it all just started Adam and Eve. Yeah, exactly. You know, Satan was the first devil. And when you get into demons as an idea, that's that comes a lot later. And so if Wait, you're I'm thinking... sorry, I'm real confused by that sentence. You just said Satan was the first devil. Is Satan just not the devil? There are many devils. There are? There's one Satan. Is that... Is that a Christian thing? I'm not getting into it. You can Google that on your own time. Is this something that you learned in, in church school when you were- Shut up! I can't believe it! You're, <laughs> you're doing this now? <laughs> well, I'm genuinely curious. Is this canani- canonical in the Bible? I don't know, Julie. I stopped going to church school when I was like 12. They didn't, okay. we didn't get that deep. Um, anyway, Jesus. <laughs> anyway. My point is that when we talk about salting the doors to keep demons out, we don't just specifically mean demons. We mean, like, malignant supernatural entities. So, yeah, you know, maybe you got on a witch's nerves and she sent some bad energy after you. The only way to truly protect yourself is to create a perfect circle of salt around you wherever you are in that moment and stay there forever. Yeah. Uh, and if the demon is inside you, have you ever had a uh, strep throat? Yeah, who hasn't? Did your mom make you do that thing where you gargle salt water and, yeah. It's, and it hurt? Yeah, if you're possessed. <laughs> gargle some salt water, bitch. Some salt. Like you have strep throat and there is no tomorrow. I had to do, I had to gargle salt water when I, uh, when I got my wisdom teeth out to keep it all clean. Gross. Yeah. It was. There you go. Further proving salt is a purifying thing. Okay. Do you have another question? Um. No. I mean, I suppose I could ask you one closing question, which I think you may appreciate. Sure. Um. Do I ghosts... know what it's gonna be. <laughs> do ghosts know anything but their eternal <laughs> suffering? Why'd you change the wording? It oh, because was... I don't have it in front of me. What is it's... it? Okay. The... <laughs> Do ghosts know anything except their struggles? Oh, right. <laughs> Do ghosts know anything except their struggle? <laughs> Allie loves this question. She found it on Yahoo Answers. And has, it's just, it's really, I think, become the only source of light in her life. It's true. Okay. Anyway, this has been Supernatural Philosophy. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Uh, stay that was sp- a weak-ass intro. Outro? Outro.
What would you like? I'm like dying over here. What do you want me to say? <laughs> well, okay. Well, okay. I'm Alex Abraham. I'm Julia Arcolano. And this has been Supernatural Philosophy. Stay spooky. after the fact i just wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much for listening uh and giving us your time i know that was kind of a mess of a third do-over of a first episode but we had a lot of fun making it and we hope that you had fun listening um and i also just want to remind you that you can send us your burning monster questions and we can discuss them here on the show next time uh you can find us both on twitter at renmen r-e-n-m-e-n uh, or you can find me at Ali Abe and Julia at Julia Lee. And in whatever audio format you are consuming this from, there will be probably a description that has that information as well. Uh, so, yep. Uh, until we see you again, thank you so much for listening and stay spooky.